Oh, yes, all aboard. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. This is the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, where we bring you everything from high school sports, NCAA, NFL, NBA, HBCU. It's the train that is building up ahead of steam. So grab your tickets, get on board, enjoy the ride. Let this train take you on a sports journey. It's the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Let's get this train on the track. Welcome to the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. The high school scoreboard show. Also today, the train is taking us on a journey as we will venture into Oswego, or Oswego, depends on how you pronounce it, Kansas. That's right. Oswego, Kansas. We'll be talking in the coach's corner today to Matt Fowler, head coach of Oswego. Uh, he is from Lockwood, Missouri. He played college football at Sterling College, Kansas. His inspiration for coaching was Chuck Lambert. He was, a, he was his football coach from junior high through college. And was the defensive coordinator at Sterling, and his brother was the head coach. So, in all, he played 10 years for Coach Lambert. This is his 13th season as head football coach. All of his coaching has been at the eight-man level in Kansas. He was student-taught at Stafford, Kansas, and helped coach football. And that was his first exposure to eight-man football. And he was hooked instantly. Yes, Matt Campbell will be the passenger today on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. Also, we will be giving you the scores of what went down in week seven. So it's the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. I'm looking forward to having my guests on today. Matt Fowler, head coach at Oswego. And what inspired me to reach out because he was his team not this past Friday because this past Friday they had a game against West Elk. And of course, they were dealing with injuries and a few starters out. But last week they were in a battle, a game of the ages. It had to be a scoring record. They were on the wrong end of the score, but nonetheless, eight-man football. And I'm still trying to grasp what is the eight-man game of football experience like. I've never seen an eight-man game, 
but I looked at the score, so I figure it's a wide open high scoring affair. Sometimes it's a high scoring lopsided affair. But this game they played against Marmot and Valley. Final score was 106 to 98. So we're definitely going to dive into that game. Uh, like I said, we will be giving you the scores of all the games from 6A all the way down to 6-man. But hopefully we will get some indoctrination on how the 8-man game is really played. Because my theory, my imagination is, it's indoor or arena football played outdoors because arena football was known for high scoring. So we're going to get the gist of eight-man football because, for one, you know, there's the already glaring difference between eight-man and 11 is there's three less men on each side of the ball. So let's just say outside that, most of us listening probably haven't witnessed eight-man. I talked to a couple guys, asked some questions just on general principle. Have you ever seen an eight-man football game? And that answer is they have yet. They haven't seen they Some of them said they didn't even know it existed. So we're going to learn a lot about the game of eight-man football and eventually six-man because six-man will actually be a sanctioned sport next year in the state of Kansas. It will be sanctioned by KSA. So we'll be looking forward to that. But today, Matt Fowler will be the guest on the train as we venture into Oswego, Kansas, and learn a little bit more about Matt. I want to appreciate him even before he gets on the show for sending me his credentials. Uh, a lot of it I didn't read because I'm going to let him pretty much introduce himself. I just want to give you a briefing on who Matt Fowler is and where he came from. Uh, looking forward to a great time. And of course, we will be also looking at the rankings as well. So we look forward to having this call one thing I can do while we're waiting for him to call, and when he does call, we'll just switch on into the coach's corner. Uh, we can start by going ahead and giving you some scores, uh, starting with 6-8, as this is the high school scoreboard show. Week number seven. Starting with 6 eight, as we always do, and We see where Blue Valley knocked off Blue Valley West by the score, 23 to 17. In the battle of the KC schools, KC Sumner steamrolled KC Harmon, 60 to 0. Pittsburgh had no problem with Kansas City Wyandotte, beating them 63 to 16. Lawrence and on Lathan North were in a dog fight. However, Lawrence came away with a three-point victory by the score of 17-14. to 14. Washburn Rural had no problem manhandling Highland Park, beating them 58-18. to 18. In a battle of the directional schools, Olathe West comes out on top of Olathe South, 31 to 28. 
Olathe Northwest beat Shawnee Mission South by the score of 17 to 6. Shawnee Mission Northwest gets cruises past Gardner Edgerton, bringing them back down to earth after their two game win streak, beating them 34 21. Shawnee, in another battle of the directional schools, Shawnee Mission West gets the five point victory over Shawnee Mission North, beating them 18 13. Lawrence Free State has no problem manhandling Shawnee Mission East, beating them 33-7. In what would have to be the featured game, highly anticipated game, a game in which Mays jumped out on top of Derby 21-0, and Derby Panthers clawed back and de-winged the Eagles, beating them 42-41. Hutt cruises past campus 28-17. Dodge City in overtime gets by Garden City, 36-29. Wichita East steamrolls, as is the case with most teams, North, 88-0. Northwest, on the legs of L.J. Phillips, runs past Wichita South, 63-22. And this year, 6A. Scoreboard. Now we will move into 5A. Shiny Heights gets by Blue Valley Southwest, beating them 23 to 7. Spring Hill slips past KC Piper 32 to 27. Soda has no problem cruising past Leavenworth 52 to 36 in a somewhat high scoring game. St. Thomas Aquinas gets past. Blue Valley Northwest, 35 to 16. In the Battle of the Kansas City Schools, Kansas City, Washington handles Casey Turner, 36 to 15. Ashton cruises past Kansas City Schlegel, 51 to 22. In the bragging rights for Topeka, Topeka Seaman blanks Topeka, 20 to 0. Manhattan steamrolls Topeka West. 59-0. Emporia cruises past, no, correction, Junction City cruises past Emporia, 30-6. And in the highly anticipated battle for the bragging rights of Andover, Central comes away with the seven-point victory beating Andover, 27-0. Once again, it's Andover Central, 27, Andover, 20. Salina Central has no problem Declawing the Tigers of Garter, the Lions of Garter, 34-6. Arc City squeaks out a victory over Valley Center, 24-21. Linus South falls victim to the Newton Railers, 35-27. Goddard Eisenhower has no problem with Great Bend beating them 33-2. to Capon blanks Liberal, 51-0. Hayes slips past Mays South, 47-43. Wichita Heights has no problem with Wichita Southeast. Steamroll them, 49-6. And Bishop Carroll disposes of the Pioneers of West High, 34-13. That was your 5A scoreboard. Now we go to 4A. 
New Steamrolls Coffeyville, 48 to 6. Independence cruises past Lafayette County, 42 to 12. Tonganoski has no problem with Bonner Springs beating them 49 to 12. Payola squeaks past Eudora, 43 to 42. Lewisburg manhandles Ottawa, 40 to 13. St. James gets past Blue Valley North by the score of 37 to 22. Acer Linwood manhandles Lansing, 58 to 13. Lutheran North from Missouri slips past Bishop Meage, 50 to 34. Lamego blanks Fort Scott, 35 to 0. Dumas has no problem with Ulysses, beating him 30 to 6. Rose Hill, where one of my sponsors is located out of. That's right, the Health Connection. Go by and tell Natalie and the staff us this week. Rose Hill slips past Winfield, 14 to 12. Augusta blinks Abilene, 28 to 0. Bueller has no problem cruising past Wellington, 35 to 3. The Circle knocks off El Dorado, 33 to 14. Mulvane comes away victorious. Beating McPherson by the score of 22 to 12. So now, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to take a pause, as I always do, after I give you the scores from 6A to 4A, and we will come back in and we will look at. 3A. And in the meantime, while we're still waiting, should Coach Fowler call in while we're waiting? Then we will just switch on in and just go ahead with the coach's corner, and then we will resume with the scoring update. So stay tuned. It's the A Train Sports Talk Podcast. Your host and conductor, Anthony Smith. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about.
the Coach's Corner is sponsored by The Health Connection, the best choice for alternative medicine and holistic healing. The Health Connection has two locations in Wichita, Kansas, 1709 West Douglas Avenue and 3101 North Rock Road, Suite 170. And they also have a third location at 1001 North Rose Hill Road in Rose Hill, Kansas. Check them out on the web at thehealthconnection.online or give them a call 316-841-0003. Back to the show. Choo-choo. Welcome to my next segment on the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. And I am elated because the train is picking up the passengers today and we are eventually to Oswego or Oswego. I will be, I will get corrected on how to pronounce that. Trust me, I will get corrected on that. But uh, I am very elated because the train is picking up the passengers. Head coach in Oswego, Matt Fowler. Matt, welcome to the show. Welcome in today, sir. Hello? Yeah. Okay, welcome to the show today. We're glad to have you on. And uh, I had already pretty much briefed the listeners on who you are, Lockwood, Missouri. And... I have always been intrigued because as I do the scoreboard show, the first thing that catches my attention with the eight men are the scores. And some of the scores are very high scoring. Some are closely contested. Some are blowouts. So my perception of the eight-man game has always been like this. I figure it's arena football played outdoors. So please, indoctrinate and educate those who are listening who've never experienced the eight-man game who plan on experiencing eight-man game and what we could expect when we see an eight-man game in person well i'll tell you what it's uh it's a really fun experience i'll tell you when you start watching it and after a while you kind of uh don't realize the big difference between eight and eleven at first and then once it kind of gets going you do I think the biggest thing that is kind of different about it is just the importance of one-on-one open field tackling. And another thing that's big about it is the fatigue factor, because there are, there are lots of teams that just don't have very big rosters at all. So those kids are playing both ways. Uh, One injury to an eight man team. Sometimes I would equivalate it as two or three injuries, maybe two an 11-man team that has more kids because, you know, you get an injury and all of a sudden people have to shuffle around in the lineup and all of a sudden you you have, you know, a lot of freshmen on the field. Some teams have that to begin with. So a lot of times I would say, you know, there there have been some great defensive eight-man football teams. Uh, Central Plains team in 2018, they were the eight-man Division One state champions. And in 13 games, they allowed 34 points. So an entire season of 13 games, so which is the state record in Kansas. So there have been some tremendous defensive uh, football teams in eight-man football before. 
uh, and uh, there are every year. I would say this also, that if you look through the eight-man scores and uh, there's a game that's within 30 points, then that was a really, really good football game for most of the game. It's just uh, late in the game. A lot of times that fatigue factor kicks in. And I think at any level of football, when fatigue kicks in, the hardest thing to do is tackle. And so then those missed tackles start to add up and the points, the points get on the scoreboard in a hurry. So, you know, just, just for instance, last night we played West Elk, uh, who's a very good football team and very well coached. Uh, they have 38 players on their roster, which is pretty rare in eight men, but you know, coach does a great job, has a lot of kids out and, uh, we're playing, we're playing in the game and we actually kicked a field goal, a 37 yard field goal, which is also very rare in eight man. In fact, 13 years as a head coach, we've never kicked a field goal before, but I have a kid this year that can kick them pretty well in practice. And so we had like a fourth and 12. So he kicks it and makes it to give us a lead of 15 to 12 with three minutes and 18 seconds to go in the half. And then all of a sudden in that last 318, uh, we give up 24 points. So we end up, we end up instead of being up three at the half, like you would think would happen, we're down 21. So the scoring just happens in bundles sometimes, you know, in, in 2015, we won the state title and in the championship game, the game was tied at 16 with 557 to go in the first half. And we scored 30 points in the last 557 of the half. And instead of being tied at 16, we went in up by 30. So. I would say that kind of one of those things, once the snowball gets rolling downhill, it happens so fast in eight, man. And if one team's just a little bit better than the other, then uh, the scoreboard breaks open pretty quick on them. So I've been, I was looking through, because I was like blown away last Friday, getting updates. Yeah. And uh, Max Prep said, anybody care for any overtime? Because it was like 98-98 with like, Seconds to go. The final score yep. ended up being 106-98. And I shared that with the people at my job. Like, that's a basketball. I said, <laughs> yeah. Was that a basketball? I said, no, it was an eight-man football. Like, eight-man? Who plays eight-man football? I'm like, eight-man? It's the same sport in the state of Kansas. So yeah. give me, from from your view, what was it like being in the game like that? Because I was looking for the record. That has to be the record. Because... The only one I seen was like one oh something to like sixty six, and that was a record in twenty fifteen, I believe. So you guys pretty much blew the record out the water. But what yeah. was it like being involved in a game like that? That well, you know, just before kind of I, I go over that, you mentioned something about you know a lot of people don't know about eight man football, but you know in Kansas it is it is a big deal, you know. And uh, whenever I coached the Spearville out in Western Kansas. The PBS station out of Hayes actually broadcasts the state championship games and everything, you know, Smoky Hills. And, uh, man, they do a great job. And it's it's covered, and it's a, it's a really big thing. K-Preps does a good job covering our game. Uh, so, it's I mean, it's really popular. I think a lot of people, you know, in the bigger cities and stuff just probably don't understand how great an event and how great a game it really is. Uh, but going back to the game last Friday night, the truth is, so you, you look at that and you say, man, there must have never been a punt. There must have never been 
uh, you know, any tackles or anything like that to get it that way. But the truth is, uh, I know we punted twice and we forced two turnovers on their side. We had four turnovers ourselves. So there were, there were defensive stops that happened. I think there were another two or three drives that were uh, stops on fourth down. So the teams did not score on every possession. Uh, the game actually started off. The first quarter was pretty fast and furious. Back and forth, we were trading scores. Uh, we we've had several <clears throat> several starters that have been out due to injury <clears throat> quarantine. We've actually had a player move away in the middle of the season, so we've had a lot of adversity. So we're we're essentially only down to four of our normal starters, and so then they've had their share. Marmerton Valley's had their share of injuries and quarantines and things of that nature too so sometimes that that plays a factor on defensive game planning and stuff like that but at any rate the game's going and uh they make a play right before the half i can't remember i think they're i think they're up a touchdown at the half we came out in the third quarter and we've got the ball and we we make a nice little run on them a matter of fact this is a weirdest stat maybe of the whole game we ran six offensive plays in the third quarter and two of them were lost fumbles. We lost two fumbles. So we had four plays that we kept the ball on and we scored 32 points, which is four touchdowns and four two point conversions. Now, one of our touchdowns was the opening second half kickoff. So of the four plays, we kept the ball. We scored on three of them. Uh, And then, so they ran, they ran uh, like almost 30 plays, I think, so, somewhere over 20, between 20 and 30 plays in the third quarter and scored 16. So we, we played a really good third quarter defensively. And at this point, the fourth quarter started and our game started at 7 o'clock. And I think the fourth quarter started around, it was close to 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the game the game itself without much scoring, the game ended at like 1035 or 1040. So you think about the fatigue on these kids playing both sides of the ball for three hours running around like that. So that kind of sets the stage for this fourth quarter in which they outscore us 46 to 28. Yeah. So the fourth quarter alone, the score was 46 to 28. Both sides were dead tired. Neither teams could really tackle anymore. I mean, lots of missed tackles out there. Just it, it was wild though. The competitive level of these kids, of when, you know, we would get ahead or they would get ahead, and just the battle back. So yeah, the game was, the game was tied at ninety, with about a minute twenty left, and they come down and score, and then we come down. So they make it ninety-eight to ninety. We score with 33 seconds left to make it 98-98, and then they score with seven seconds left to make it 106-98. Wow. So absolutely draining, you know, heartbreaking loss for our kids. I'm proud of how they competed. But, man, it uh, it really – games like that take a toll on you because it's almost like you played two games, mm-hmm. you know, because the game was so long. And I'm pretty sure it was entertaining to the fans. And, and around here, we have a racetrack called 81 Speedway. And they say, we'll save you a seat, but you'll only need the edge. So I'm pretty sure the fans out there were 
pretty much on the edge of their seat pretty much the entire game. Now, let's back up a little bit. You've been involved in football all your life. You had one coach that you talked about in your bio. You had him basically what, junior high all the way to college. Uh, at what point did you transition from the 11-man to the 8-man game? And what made you decide to go the 8-man route? Well, uh, so I, when I played at Sterling College, there's a small town uh, chase that is near Sterling. And we had a couple of players on our team in college that had played eight-man football. And in Missouri at the time, eight-man wasn't that big a deal. It's a lot bigger now. I mean, it's gaining popularity kind of everywhere with, as it seems like it gets harder and harder to get kids to come out. But anyways, I went to Chase and watched an eight-man game with my friends there. And I just, I loved it. I fell in love with it. I thought it was awesome that those kids still got to go out there and compete and the guts that they had because, you know, slow numbers and kids playing both ways like that and just, you know, running into each other constantly. The toughness I thought it took to play that game was something that really drew, drew me to it. And then when it came time for me to be placed into my student teaching, I just happened to end up at Stafford, Kansas, which was an eight-man team. And so I was an assistant coach for one year in that. Uh, and so I learned a lot there. And then my first uh, teaching and coaching job was out of Spearville. Like I said, they had an opening and they just happened to be eight man. And uh, since I started coaching eight man, I've just, I've had opportunities to uh, go to 11 man programs, but I have loved the eight man game. And in particular in Kansas, I love the camaraderie between the coaches. I've had several coaches that have left the eight man ranks and that have uh, gone into the 11 man ranks. And that's what a lot of them miss is uh, the camaraderie between the coaches at the eight man level. Absolutely. So give, give me this right here, because I know a lot of people I've seen a few times where there have been some eight man players, eight man, come out of eight man high school and going to college even at the major college level. So how many players from the, your eight-man squads do you produce, or how many out of the state of Kansas, for that matter, go on to play at the next level, whether it be junior college or even at Division One level? Well, um, I could tell you quite a few who have. As a matter of fact, uh, the team we played last night, West Elk, uh, they, they're from Howard, Kansas, they actually have a young man that played for them that graduated in 2016 that is now a starting defensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, okay. Isaiah Lauderdale. Okay. And he played at the University of Wisconsin, and now he, he's a rookie with the Steelers. I'm not sure exactly if he starts, but I know he plays. I've seen him in the game. Uh, but anyway, so he's a starter there. My first year at Spearville, uh, I coached a sophomore who was 6'11", Willie Colley-Stein, and he yeah. played for Kentucky in college basketball. And now he plays for the Dallas Mavericks in the NBA. So uh, I coached a player that was ended up being a Division One basketball player anyways. Uh, I currently have a player from Spearville that uh, plays for McPherson College. He starts at safety. Um, there, there have been multiple other kids. There was a, there's a, a fullback from Lakeside down which is a real small school 
and uh, he ended up playing fullback for the University of Minnesota. He would have graduated, oh, I'm saying probably 15 or 16 for Minnesota, but he ended up being a starting fullback his junior senior year. So, you know, there's there's been players from our level that have gone on the course multiple in, uh, you know, the NAI level. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go and I watch, you know, my school, Sterling, play, and they always have a handful of guys, and it always seems like there's guys I've coached against that are playing on the schools that they're playing. So I've seen quite a few guys – you know, even like I said, even make it to the Division One level and even to the professional ranks from eight man. Absolutely. So let me ask you this question, man. Since we're on eight man, could you kind of indoctrinate us on the rules of eight man? How does it differ from eleven? Uh, now I'm assuming that they still play on a hundred yard field. I assume that. Well, in uh, it depends on the state. In Kansas, we play on an eighty yard field, okay. and it's only forty yards wide. So it's a lot more narrow. So I mean, an at, the the normal the normal width I think is fifty three and a and a third, something like that. So it's more narrow, and it's also shorter. Uh, Oklahoma, I believe, plays on a hundred yard field. I think Missouri plays eighty. So it it depends from state to state on the field size. Okay. And what are the basic rules? Are there any differences between 11 and 8 man? Like, I mean, what, what are the rules out, outside of the field and the dynamics of the field? What are the rules of the game pretty much? Okay. Well, uh, you, uh, you have to have – you can have no more than three men in the backfield. So, uh, basically, you, you have five on the line. Your eligible receivers are the end man on the line of scrimmage and any back. So you usually, you always have three guys that are not eligible for a pass. So usually it's the center and the guards uh, that are not eligible. Uh, Another big rule difference is when you play on the 80 yard field, if you kick a touchback, the ball comes to the 15. Uh, So, you know, that's to account for the, the shorter field length. Um, Other than that, there's really oh and uh the numbers you know like in 11 man your linemen have to be you know in a certain number range and your backs have to have eligible numbers mm-hmm. and in eight man there are no there are no number rules any position can be any number without having to report as eligible or anything like that okay so basically it's almost like the nfl now <laughs> yeah with their new numbers game well man yeah. I, I find this i find this very entertaining and very educating because, like I said, I have never seen an eight-man game. I'm here in Wichita, so it's on my bucket list to do is to go see an eight-man game. I, I I got to go see. I, I have to go do it before this life is over. But that is my goal to see it. Go see an eight-man game. So, how are the playoffs structured as far as eight-man? Well, really, they're no different than uh, most of the 11 mans at the smaller school level in Kansas anyways. So uh, we are in districts of six teams. There's actually two divisions. There's two classifications. Mm-hmm. There's eight-man division one, eight-man division two. Division one has 48 schools. And division two is about the same. It might be slightly less. Uh, but usually we're in a six-team districts. 
And out of those districts, the top four district records advance to the playoffs. They play the cross district across from them. So the four seed plays the one seed and the two seed plays the three seed. There are uh, three rounds before the state championship game. So uh, it's really comparable. The state championship games are played at Newton at Fisher Field. uh, And they are played on the same day now that the 11 man championships are, are played. But it's really neat because it's a doubleheader. It's the only okay. state championship football games in Kansas that are a doubleheader. They play the first one at 11 a.m. And then the second one is uh, is after it. I'm wanting to say 3 o'clock or something like that. But I always go and watch them because, you, you know, I have such good friends coaching usually. And uh, it's a great experience. You get to learn a lot. So that would be my – for you, if you wanted to see – Good eight-man football played at its finest uh, at Newton at uh, Fisher Field the Saturday after Thanksgiving. There's a doubleheader, and you get to watch, you know, two state championship games. You'll get to see four great teams always. It's a great thing. And, you know, since you have given me that suggestion, I just might have to make that put that on my schedule and go do that. Newton, Kansas, yep. Fisher Field, eight-man state title game double hitter couldn't ask for more well coach, oh, it's, a, it's always a great time well coach i do want to thank you for spending some of your day with me on my podcast uh i've enjoyed this i've learned uh found out you are a great man you are a great coach and i know one of the things that you probably put emphasis on outside the lines is molding young men to be productive men beyond the sport so I, I i've had coaches on like uh probably heard coach western starts uh steve martin and what they put they had on is you know they coach football but at the end of the day they want these men to be something else even beyond football so i know that you're in this coaching business because you want to shape the lives of those young men that you coach beyond the field yeah absolutely I mean, that's the number one goal. And uh, I've always said at the end of every year, you know, we have a, you know, like a team banquet or something. And we talk about the kids and everything. And I, I always I always ask the question, well, you know, how do we do this year? And I'll talk about the record. I'll talk about, you know, if we had some guys get selected to all league or all state or whatever. And then I say, but that really doesn't answer a question, because the truth is, we won't know how well we did this year until 20 years down the road when we see what kind of husbands, fathers, employees that these guys turned out to be. And if we played any role in helping them develop along those lines, that's when we'll know if we were successful. Absolutely. Well, once again, Coach, I want to thank you for spending part of your day. And we'll have to do this again. We might have, to, we might have to do this, say, even before the state title game because I'm putting it on my calendar to make it to that state championship game to see some good eight-man football. So we might have to do this again right before that and, you know, brief us on. I'll be like, let you be the color guy or whatever you want to be and tell us what each team brings to the table and what we can look forward to for that state title game, all right? That would be fun. I'd love that. (laughs) All right. Well, once again, on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast, my good friend now. I will call you my good friend now. Absolutely. So, welcome 
once again and have a great Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your day, and we will get you back on here. Coach, thank Matt you very much Fowler. for having me on. Thank you. Yes, that was Coach Matt Fowler from Oswego, Kansas. Great interview, first time interview, and hopefully we learned a little bit about the eight man football game. And uh, what I'm going to do right here, I am going to take a break. And when I come back, we'll get back into the scoreboard show. So, A Train Sports Talk Podcast, your host. Shout out to the people in Rose Hill. They 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 got a high school team here and they play some good football as well too. So, you know, anytime you're there, just stop by either of these three locations. Make sure you tell Natalie, Greenlee, and the crew that Anthony sent you. Because if you heard about it here on the A Train Sports Talk podcast. Anyway, let's get back into these scores. Coming back in with three A. Hiawatha, Blank, Royal Valley, 56-0. Sabetha, Steamrose, Jefferson West, 56-13. Topeka Hayden had very little resistance compared to Compton, beating them 46-18. Holton just about doubled up Rock Creek, beating them 41-21. Gerard rolled past Iola by the score of 46-6. Frontenac, Flips past Prairie View, beating them 
26-12. In the fourth picture of a game, Paney Valley recorded with a 1-0 victory over Baxter Springfield for fourth pitcher. Burlington cruises past Anderson County Garnett, 26-7. Lena blinks Cherryville, 38-0, while Parsons squeaks past Columbus, just squeaks past them, 21-20. Santa Fe Trail gets past Baldwin, 37-28, as District Ward blinks Osawatomie, 48-0. Goodman gets past the Broncos of Russell, Beating them 16 to 14. Kobe manhandles Scott City 44 to 14. Marysville gets past Clay Center by seven, beating them 10 to 3. Raleigh County gets a little resistance from Concordia, beating them 48 to 7. Chapman rolls past Council Grove 55 to 14, while Cheney blinks Nickerson 54 to 0. Holcomb cruises past Pratt, beating them 41 to 20. Hugerson has slips past Leonard, 20 to 14. Eston has no problem with Wichita Trinity, beating them 43 to 7, while southeast of Saline blinks Smoky Valley, 45-0. And now in some games that resemble eight-man scores, Andale blows past Clearwater, 65 to 6. And Collegiate just manhandles and bullies Halstead, 82-16. Now we move to 2A. Cherokee Southeast has no problem with Neota Shea, beating them 43-7. Fredonia slips past Riverton by two, beating them 30-28. Osage City has no problem with Eureka, beating them 49-6. As Wellsville blanked Humboldt, 40-0. Jayhawk Lynn. Has no problem with West Franklin beating them 32 to 13. Oskaloosa falls victim to Pleasant Ridge by the score of 34 to 14. Rossville gets past Silver Lake 24 to 19, while Mission Valley steamrolls McLeod 34 to 6. Mower Hill and St. Mary's, that game was canceled. Nemaha Central. Cruises past Riverside, 46-12. Lakin, likewise, cruises past Syracuse, 45-12. Marion has no problem with Sterling, beating them 34-14. Pittsburgh, Colgan, Steamrose, Erie, 41-8. Ellis, Blank, Southwestern Heights, 52-0. And in another shutout, Beloit shuts out Minneapolis, 50-0. And in a more closely contested game, Cimarron squeaks past Thomas Moore Prep by a field goal by the score of 11-8. to And in another closely contested game, Atchison County Effingham gets past Republic County 14-12. Phillipsburg slips past Phillipsburg. Phillipsburg slips past Ellsworth 26-14. Kingman shuts out Blue Stem, 54-0. Garden Plain has no problem with Bell Plain, a battle of the Plains, 37-7. As Chaparral blinks Douglas, 27-0. Haven has Haven gets past Hutch Trinity, Trinity, 20-14. Hillsborough Steamroads Lions, 54-7. While Washington 
more than doubles up Norton Count community, 48 to 21. And that concludes 2A. Now we go on into 1A. Another cancellation, Pleasanton and Armin Ortiz. However, Northern Heights probably wish their game was canceled as they got steamrolled by Open 59-0. Jefferson County gets past Troy. This is Jefferson County North gets past Troy. 22 to 12. Central Heights squeaks out a one-point victory over Uniontown, 19 to 18. Jackson Heights cruises past Valley Heights, the Battle of the Heights, 48 to 12. Wabonsi has no problem starting out North Horton, 49 to 0. Sedgwick Steamrolls Elkhart, 56 to 8. Centralia Blank Linden, 26 to 0. And in a couple of more shutouts, Inman, 60, Remington, 0. Smith Center with Indians has no problem setting out El Saline, beating them 41 to 0. And uh, Blowout and these shutouts continue to roll on as Oakley shuts out Sacred Heart 52 0, while Plainville shuts out Ellenwood 55 0. And here's another shutout Conway Spring manhandles Stanton County 65 0. And in the game, they've actually seen two teams scoring. Independent beats the Blitz 26 18. Now we move on into eight-man division one. Burden Central gets past Oxford, 62-37. In another high-scoring game, however, Marmotten, Marmotten Valley, team members involved in that 106-98 shootout last week with uh, Oswego was in another high-scoring game, except they were on the wrong end of it, as Yates Center knocks off Marmotton Valley, 88-52. West Elk manhandles Oswego. You heard the coach on the coaching show today, and he explained to you how those games turn out. One minute, you're in a closely contested game, and in a matter of seconds, it's a blowout. However, West Elk beat Oswego, 60 to 15. Sedan Steamroads Cedarville Dexter 60 to 0. Here goes that long line of shutouts again. Wow. Chase County has no problem with Udall 52 to 0. Madison Blank Flint Hills 50 to 0. Clifton Clyde also the same score over Washington County 50 to 0. And in a more closely contested game, Donovan West. It was past Valley Falls, 56-46. Bennington beats Lincoln, 46-22. Mound Ridge shuts out Fairfield, 49-0. Gossel manhandles Pretty Prairie, 68-22. Little River rolls past Carrington, 54-6. Maxville almost has the same identical score two less as they beat Kiowa County 52 to 6. Kinsley bullies St. John Hudson 62 to 8. Across cruises past Pratt Skyline 62 14. Meade has no problem with SC beating them 56 to 6. Wichita County beats 
Greerville, 66-20. South Gray, 23. Hodgman County, 16. Atwood Rollins County shuts out Decatur Community, 48-0. While Burlingame cruises past Maranatha Academy, 58-12. In a more closely contested game, Hill City slips past Prego Community, 66-0. And in a complete annihilation, Hoaxie blanks Stockton, 80-0. And rounding out eight-man Division One, Attica Argonia cruises past Medicine Lodge, 44-14. Now we go into eight-man Division Two. Altoona Midway, Waverly, that game was canceled. And we also have no information on South Coffee County against Colony Crest. We'll move on. Titan has no problem steamrolling Mineola, 46-0. Lebo, 75, Rural Vista, 0. Victoria shuts out Tescott, 45-0. Quintner cruises past Wallace County, 58-14. Peabody Burns doubles up South Haven, 64-34. Central Plains, the Battle of the Central. Central Plains rolls past Central Christian, 32-6. Peterson Grinnell shuts out St. Francis, 46-0. And I guess by eight-man standards, this would be considered a close game. Maurice Des Singus Valley. Gets past Hartford, 60 to 40. Buckman cruises past Ingalls, 54 to 6. South Central and Satanta canceled. Likewise, Stafford Norwood. However, South Barber cruises past Caldwell, 46 to 34. Plains Brewster gets past Logan Powell Cove, 44 to 26. Kenton Gower blows out Stafford, 62-6. Otis Bison manhandles Chase, 68-14. Sylvan Lucas shuts out Wilson, 52-0. Uh, South Cloud forfeited, giving Osborne a 1-0 victory. Pike Valley beats Rock Hill, 42-6. Thunder Ridge rolls past Frankfurt, 60-12. Lakeside has no problem disposing of the Bluebirds of St. John's Kipton, 64-48, which would be considered a pretty close game. Hanover rolls past Lynn, 58-12. Axel cruises past Wetmore, 64-16. Solomon blows out Wakefield, 62-16. Onaga has no problem with Blue Valley Randolph, beating them 70-26. St. Paul hangs the 70 spot on Chicopa, 70-24. This rounds out eight-man division one, I just believe. Sure. Eight-man division two, excuse me. Thank you. Now that takes us into six-man. I can't emphasize this enough. Six men will be sanctioned for education. We start. Weskin manhandles Deerfield, 61 to 13. Cunningham 
Coos is past Piney Heights, 57-6. In another high-scoring affair, Burton gets past Rolla by 10, 94-84. Northern Valley has no problem with Bird City Chelin, beating them 56-6. Ashland rolls past Fowler, 70-25. Cabune, Natoma hangs a 54-point up on the scoreboard as they beat Tribune 54 to 6. And in a more closely contested game, Moscow handles Golden Plains by the score 26 to 13. So what we are going to do now is we're going to take us a another break and when i come back i will give you a rundown of the high school rankings so stay tuned it's the a train sports talk podcast your host the conductor of the train anthony Steele. Want to enhance your workout? Try the workout bands everyone is talking about. Three different resistance levels. Light, medium, and heavy. Only at www.kakeybums.com That's www.kakeybums.com www.kakeybums.com To enhance your workout, with the resistance bands that everyone is talking about. Anthony Smith here with A-Train Sports Talk Podcast, your conductor. Just want to let you know that this podcast is listener supported. That's right, driven by you, the listener, who wants to support. So click on that support button down there. You have three options, 99 cents a month, $4.99 $4.99 a month or $9.99 a month will get your ad rent on this podcast. So click the support button. Your support will be greatly appreciated. Once again, Anthony Smith with the A-Train Sports Talk Podcast. Hi, this is Tracy, host of the Moonstar Podcast, and you are listening to A-Train. Buckle up, baby, and enjoy the ride. Woo! Show. 
also the coach's corner. Thank, thank Coach Matt Fowler enough for joining me on the train ride. As the train stops, we picked up Coach Matt Fowler in Oswego, Kansas. Where they play eight-man football. And I hope that those of you who listen learned a lot about the game of eight-man football and what it is you could possibly be missing by not checking out the eight-man game or two. So he has put it on my bucket list, so to speak, to check out the state championship game that will be played on Saturday after Thanksgiving in Newton at Fisher Field. Not one, but two games. So it's on my bucket list, and I owe it to myself. And he is all but guaranteed that I will enjoy it. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get into the rankings. And these rankings are prior to week seven. And what I'm going to try to do is I am going to try, if my schedule allow, I will give you an updated version next week. Probably start doing... Friday high school football preview, looking at games that will be taking place and give you an updated ranking leading into the games on Friday. In essence, coming back with another Saturday show, which is the high school scoreboard show. So I have to say that these games are prior to week seven. And the updated version will be coming next week prior to next Friday's game. So, week six saw multiple teams in the AVCTL fall from the ranks of the unbeaten, meaning plenty of movement came as a result of those games. Below are the rankings with two games to go in the regular season. Now, there's one game in the regular season before district or sub-state district play begins. So, coming in number one, Derby. Number two, Blue Valley Northwest. Number three, Blue Valley. Number four, Olathe North. Number five, Free State. Number six, Washburn Rural. Number seven, Manhattan. Number eight, Olathe West. Number nine, Junction City. And number 10, Blue Valley. Derby went down 7-0 to rival campus and poured it on for a 70-21 win. They will host 5A Mays Friday night, a game they dropped a year ago. Washburn Rural leaped into the polls after handing Manhattan their first loss. Blue Valley Northwest would need to get by St. Thomas Aquinas to move to 7-0. Blue Valley North lost their third consecutive game to Blue Valley Northwest last week and will go to defending 4A champ St. James Academy next. Garden City drops out after a blowout loss to Wichita East and will host rival Dodge City in the annual hatchet game. In 5A, Bishop Carroll, number one. Number two, Mill, Cape and Mount Carmel. Number three, Mill Valley. Number four, Spring Hill. Number five, Mays Eagles. As a matter of fact, that game with Derby, they jumped out, but lost it by one. Number six, Wichita Northwest. They're getting their mojo back. Number seven, Andover. Number eight, Hayes. Number nine, Mays South. Number 10, Salina Central. Bishop Carroll won the Holy War over Capon 
Friday, clinching the game on an interception. The Golden Eagles remain at the top of the polls, but are stuck in a log jam at the top of 5A West, where six schools are now 5-1. and one. Mill Valley bounced back to beat Ben 4-1 Olathe West. Spring Hill is the final 5A unbeaten, 6-0 for the first time since 1990. Mays took care of rival Mays South to return to the top five. Hayes High got a big win over Dodge City and will host Mays South Friday. Carolina Central enters the poll after handing Andover Central their first loss of the year. Aquinas falls out after suffering a fourth straight loss. So there are some teams that you see that are normally powerhouses having some struggling years that Aquinas is a head scratcher, as is Gardner Edgerton, who is usually a powerhouse team. Now we go to 4A. Number one, Bishop Meage. Number two, Pace for Linwood. Number three, Andover Central. Number four, Bueller. Number five, McPherson. Number six, Lamego. Number seven, Mulvane. Number eight, Circle. Number nine, Augusta. Number 10, Chanute. Bishop Meage has lost three. Team has lost three teams ranked in the 6A top 10. Has lost to three teams ranked in the top 10, along with Missouri Power Rockers. They'll cross the state line again this week for a game in St. Louis against Lutheran North. Both Andover Central and McPherson fall in the polls after each drop their first game of the year. Baser Linwood is now the lone under unbeaten team in 4A. Circle returns to the polls with their fourth win. Their most since 2010. They'll take on rival El Dorado this week. Mulvane will play at McPherson in a ranked game. Andover Central will try to avoid back-to-back losses in the rivalry game with 5A number 7 Andover. Chanute has won five straight games, the last three by shutout. Now, 3A. Andale 6-0, Cheney 6-0. Number 1, Andale. Number 2, Cheney. Number 3, Wichita Collegiate. These three teams undefeated going into their Week 7 games. Number 4, Holton, also 6-0 going into Week 7. Number 5, Frontenac. Number 6, Southeast of Saline, another undefeated team. Number 7, Raleigh County. Number 8, Concordia. Number 9, Girard. Those teams also undefeated. And Pratt, number 10, 5-1. These, once again, these are heading into Week 7. The games were played last, last Saturday night. So, We'll have those updated rankings next week prior to Friday's game. With back-to-back quality wins over Pratt and Holcomb, Cheney jumps to the two spot for the long improvement in a week where all top 10 teams won. Eight teams hold perfect records in the classification. And they won their 31st straight game, a 90-point victory over Trinity Academy. Southeast Saline won their fourth game by shutout. They have allowed just 12 points this year. Riley County will host fellow unbeaten Concordia this week. Pratt and 4-2 and two Holcomb will face off a home playoff game in Week 9 on the line. Now looking at 2A. Number 1 is Rawlsville. Number 2, Silver Lake. Number 3, Chaparral. Number 4, Wellsville. Number 5, Horsington. Number 6, Kingman. Number 7, Osage City. Number eight, Thomas Moore Prep. Number nine, Nemaha Central. And number 10, Cimarron. Rossville and Silver Lake will meet in the War on 24 Friday night, a district title on the line in one of Kansas' best rivalry games. Kingman edged out Garden Plain in 
in a defensive game 10-7 to to bump the Owls out of the poll. The Eagles and Chaparral will play to decide the district in Week 8. Wellsville jumped into the top five after beating Osage City. Those Eagles will meet 5-1 Humboldt Friday. TMP and Cimarron will also play this week. That another game that should be decided. That's another game that should be should decide a district championship. One A, number one, Opie, Opie, number two, Inman, number three, Smith Center, number four, Sedgwick, number five, Centralia, number six, Conway Springs, number seven, Jefferson County North, number eight, Wabonsi, number nine, Plainville, number ten, Jackson Heights. Teams at the top of the 1A poll all took care of business. Though we see Emma leapfrog Smith Center after the two Tetuans pitched their fifth shutout of the year. They have given up just three points in six games. SC needed a touchdown with less than a minute to go to get by Plainville. The two will meet to close out the regular season, playing for a district title. Jefferson County North enters the polls after topping Wabonsi to improve to 4-2. and two. Now we look at eight-man Division One. Number one, Little River. Number two, Madison. Number three, Canton Galva. Number four, Joaquini Trago. Number five, Meade. Number six, Clifton Clyde. Number seven, Sedan. Number eight, Leote, Wichita County. Number nine, Hill City. Number 10, Medicine Lodge. Medicine Lodge makes their season debut now 6-0 in their best start to a season in 15 years. They will face their toughest test of the regular season to close the year, hosting 5-1 Argonia Attica before going 4-2 Gospel. Little River Blanks then one lost Bennington. Madison won a hard-fought battle with previously previously unbeaten Chase County. Meade and Leote changed spots following the Buffalo's road win Friday. Sedan blew out another team that entered the week unblemished in Yates Center. The week seven slate is headlined by Hill City going undefeated Joaquini for a top 10 matchup. Eight man division two, Axel, number one. Number two, Thunder Ridge. Number three, Victoria. Number four, Wheatland Grinnell. Number five, Buckland. Number six, Caldwell. Number seven, Frankfurt. Number eight, Osborne. Number nine, Lebo. Number 10, South Barbara. Spinning champion Hanover just Falls out of the rankings after losing a third straight game to Franklin. All two teams currently ranked in the top 10. It's their longest losing streak in 10 seasons. Thunder Ridge beat Osborne in a 2-3 matchup to stay unbeaten. Franklin will go to Kensington Friday night to take on Thunder Ridge. Other matchups to watch for include a ranked game between unbeaten Caldwell and South Barbara. 4-1 Dighton could enter the polls with the win over 3-2 Mineola. Sixth man, number one, Cunningham, number two, Natoma, number three, Northern Valley, number four, Ashland, and number five, Weston. The six-player regular season will wrap up with all games set for kickoff Thursday night. Cunningham and Natoma look primed to enter the playoffs with unbeaten records. Northern Valley will meet defending champion Shalen in the week's top matchup. So there is your rankings. For all classifications from class 6A all the way down to six man. 
And I think what I want to do, want to do something a little bit different. If I may do that. And I am just I think we're going to well, I think for future references, I might not pull this off today, but for future references, once we start looking at. JUCO Junior College Football here in the state of Kansas. We'll probably effort that next week. But I hope you have enjoyed today's Once again, special shout out to our guest, Matt Fowler, who coaches at Oswego High School, who's seen played in the epic battle, and as he said, had to been not had to be was draining, especially coming out on the opposite end of that score, but nevertheless still an entertaining game. And the one thing I know I heard him say was, you have to be well conditioned because. The game seemed like it went on forever. It went into overtime. Final score was 106 to 98. But he just made me more so want to go and see eight-man high school football game. And I can't help but to ask this question. Is there a possibility, if it isn't already happening, because he said it's starting to catch on in popularity, I think he said even in the state of Missouri, Do you think there's by chance, even if it's on a club level, that we will see eight-man college football? Even if it's at the NAIA level or whatever the level may be, uh, could there be a possibility that we see that sometime in the future? It's just a question for thought. But once again, very special thanks to Matt Fowler. I had never met him, emailed him, and he was gracious enough and humble enough to come on the show, and I am very humbled to have him on the ride on the A-Train Sports Talk podcast. So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to go ahead and bring the train into the station as you hear the music playing, which lets me know that it's time to go. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this edition of the A-Train Sports Talk podcast as I try to bring you a variety of things even on the HBCU scene. Of course, the college scene, some NFL. Once again, special thanks to sponsor of the Coach's Corner, 
Natalie Greenlee at The Health Connection. Once again, with those three locations to serve you, can't emphasize it enough. Go by and see Natalie Greenlee and her great staff at The Health Connection. The three locations to serve you. I mean, Wichita at 1701 was Douglas, 3101 North Rock Road, and at 1001 North Rose Hill Road in Rose Hill, Kansas. Go by. Tell her Anthony sent you. Until next time, the train is pulling back into the station. This is the A-Train Sports Talk podcast host, Anthony Smith. Then have a great weekend.